Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy with the Customized Ride where we spotlight people within the car industry. And you know what? Today we got a great show for you. Who do we have? We have John Myers. He has an extensive background in auto mechanics, electronics, woodworking, welding, upholstery, lighting, and more. And he is presently the senior global trainer for Kicker Car Audio. And we're excited to have him on as our very first guest, yes. but many more to come on the Customized Ride. So welcome to the show. Welcome. Fantastic. Thanks for that warm welcome. Man, you really uh, talked me up there. I hope I can live up to all that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I always like to talk about people's stories and all that when we interview. You know, a lot of, you know, we'll hit about a little bit about Kicker and all that, of course, through it. But I always like to hear people's stories. And the last couple years, though, has been rough for a lot of people within any industry. How did COVID affect what y'all do as a company and you as a person? Well, you know, that's a double-edged sword because <laughs> as a company, it was phenomenal for our business. <laughs> uh, sales went through the roof. I mean, we, oh, wow. we couldn't make enough product. And the reason being, you know, with COVID, you know, people couldn't travel. They couldn't go out to eat. They couldn't go to movies and they get these stimulus checks. They're making all this money. What are they going to do with it? Car audio. So we absolutely <laughs> loved it. But on a personal standpoint, you know, me being, you know, a global trainer, well, I'm used to being, you know, out in the, the territory with dealers and reps, training them in person to have to switch to doing this, you know, via Zoom or, you know, Teams or any of those, you know, online. It was a little different. And it, it's really hard to judge, you know, the crowd, you know, if they're, you know, they're feeling what you're feeling, you're conveying the message without being able to see them in the room. So it changed that quite a bit. So I'm glad that we can get back to traveling. And I just like being out with the people. I mean, I always learn stuff, you know, all the car shows and events, you know, always seeing cool things because it, it's so diverse. You'll never see it all. Even if you go to every event, you will never see it yeah. all. And there'll be some stuff you're like, where the hell did that come from? It's like, but hey, it's kind of cool. <laughs> well, you know, in your years that you've been doing all this, um, is there any um, build that kind of stands out where you're like, wow? You know, I we could do a, a whole show every week on that. There, there's so many out there that were just so over the top and so cool. I mean, I can't really put my finger on one single one because it, it's always the one you're looking at that time, which is the coolest. And, <laughs> and that's one of the things I always try to do, you know, with our projects. And when I do, you know, installs for myself is I'll take bits and pieces from everything else and combine it in a different way to, you know, make something totally new and different. But, you know, being involved in so many high-end builds, if I would have to pick a, a personal favorite that I've been involved in, um, it probably been one of the overhaulings where we did the, the Hummer for CNN that oh, wow. we oh. restored. That that thing was amazing, and to be part of that vehicle that you know sold at Barrett Jackson, I mean, it, it was crazy. And you, you see these people, they ask, you know, hey, are these things as nice underneath as they are on top? You know, you're, you're cutting a lot of corners. And I got to tell you, you know, working on these TV shows, you, you get to see the, the people from the companies that are the best in their industry. So you learn from the best, and no one cut corners on those vehicles. We uh, did a little... Uh, you know, running tally of what the chassis on that vehicle would have cost, just the rolling chassis without the body. We came up mm -hmm. with about $180,000 just to get the wow. chassis to the point yeah. it was. So, yeah, wow. those vehicles are always yeah. over the top, and it, it's really cool to be a part of something that, you know, people get to see. Unfortunately, you generally don't get to hear them. Yes, <laughs> the TV yeah. shows, they don't always play the audio, but, you know, you <laughs> definitely get to see the vehicles and meet a lot of cool people. You know what's funny? Because I'm 51 years old, and I've been You're just young. <laughs> and I've been to a lot of the car shows and meets locally since October, really getting my hands dirty and all that. 
And I was talking to somebody and I was like, you know, there's a lot of people around my age at these, at all this. And he's, Oh, that's because your age is the only ones that can afford it. Yeah. <laughs> that happens too. That's what my wife says about old guys in Corvettes. Like, well, they can finally afford it. Now they can't enjoy it. because They're too old to get in and out of them. So. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a guy that had um, an old, I think it was 53 Ford truck or um, something like that anyway. And he, um, he was at one of the car meets and he was probably in his mid sixties, um, mid to late sixties. And we were talking and I remember him talking about, he just got this back after six years. I mean, of um, it being, he said, it's been his dream to build something from scratch. He's like, got it back after six years. I was like, Oh, COVID messed things up. He says, no, an a-hole did. Yeah. And that's very typical <laughs> of builds. I mean, I just, actually went to lunch with a good buddy of mine that runs a car show up in Kansas. And he was telling me about one of his friends that finally got a vehicle back that was at the upholstery shop for three years. Wow. So, you oh, know, wow. it, you got to pick the right people. And, you know, if you got that kind of time, you know, it's not always bad to, to take it to someone that, you know, hey, well, you don't have to pay storage for it, for one. But also they take their time and sometimes get a lot more work than, you know, what you're expecting, a lot better quality work than if you're just absolutely got your you know, knee in someone's neck to get something done. You know, it becomes, you know, almost you know, like a thorn in their side, so They just want to push it out and get it over with. But if you yeah, give some right. people time, you can get a lot of really good work out of some, you know, really good people for, you know, pretty affordable price. Yeah, because that was like a, the, one of the last car meets went to us talking to someone. And he said that, that that's been one, one of the problems that they're running into with almost any parts on vehicles is there's a waiting time right now because of everything. Oh, yeah. And so although you have the money and all that, he says, it says if something goes wrong, you can't fix it overnight like you used to. No, that's definitely true. I know, you know. Being involved with a, an audio maker, you know, manufacturer, we've got parts. Some of these parts have already been on order for over a year, and we still don't have wow. a date when we get parts to make some of these products. So it gets really frustrating because we see the cool stuff that's coming, but we don't know when we're going to be able to get it out to the, the public because getting parts is crazy. And the weird thing that happens is sometimes the parts are delayed so long that in the meantime, something else changes. Then you got to go back and redesign and, you know, validate the product for the new part or the new manufacturer. We've had that happen on a couple of our projects, but sent us back, you know, almost a year, you know, wow. starting all over again, just because they went out of business. So how do you deal with that with the supply chain? You know, do you I don't wait till you have the, do you wait till you have everything before you start the build or do you build and then get as you come? Well, if you, you if know, you build and then something changes then you got <laughs> And that's exactly what we do and that's how you have to do it especially with the parts that we call long lead time, you know, where you got, you know, a, a 40 or 50 or you know, a 100 week lead time to get parts. You have to start in that product because if you wait till the parts available, then Obviously, you know, you got to put an order in. Well, they might be sold out again. And then the other thing is that, you know, technology changes. So you really got to, you know, plan for a product mm -hmm. and plan ahead. And we've got several projects that, you know, we just recently give the okay to go ahead and order the long lead time part. Yeah. So hopefully we can have it available by next year. Wow. So how did, you know, let's take you back, way back, way before Kicker. How did you back get there? Oh. <laughs> How did you get started in this whole industry? Oh, boy, you're really taking me back. I, 
when I was younger, I mean, I'm talking elementary school, I would find speakers and stuff that people were throwing out or didn't want. I just started experimenting with them, you know, setting them in different places in my bedroom, pulling the, the speaker, the raw drivers out of the cabinets and just kind of messing with them that way. And I've always, you know, liked woodworking. So I did all, took all the woodworking I could get in junior high and, and high school. I liked drafting, so I liked to draw. So I took some drafting and I like cars, so I took auto mechanics. Wow. So i wow. fortunate enough that I, I found a job that I could, you know, really use all those, you know, basically to me, it's like being able to take your hobby and turn it into a career that you have fun. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. In fact, they always give me a hard time because my vacation pay is almost always maxed out because I don't take it. I mean, I don't need to. <laughs> Yeah, that's like with with me, you know, I just I love the talk. So I love interviews. So from, from the other other show that we do and then this one, we're hoping eventually we get paid to do all this. And so I'm trying to turn what I love to do and in, into a career. Yeah. And it, it, it's really cool. And um, the, the way I really got started installing, I mean, this is actually kind of a funny story uh -huh. is because, you know, uh -huh. I've been playing with this stuff all through junior high. We, I had a neighbor that I still remember. It was a white 1966 Buick Electra four-door, you know, big old land yacht. And he was out there messing around, trying to get a radio put in. I hear all this cussing and swearing out of my bedroom window, you know, <laughs> on Saturday afternoon. So I walked out and he's like, I can't get this blankety blank blank, you know, I looked at it. It's like, ah, it's five wires. You know, that was back with the old Craco radios, and Craco was a brand. Oh, yeah. um, uh, it literally was a power wire and four speaker wires, and everything was grounded to the chassis. But I figured, you know, five wires, how tough can this be? You know, so I get the thing playing, and he looks at me and whips out his billfold and hands me $20. Oh, wow. Well, 1979, $20, and when you're 13, was a lot of money. It's like, oh, you can get paid for doing this? <laughs> so... And it was really interesting back then, in those days, every single car, you had to cut every single harness, you had to cut the dash to put every radio in it. Wow. It's not like, you know, today when you've got these kits that literally, you know, just snap into the dash like some of the GM kits, <laughs> you match up the wire colors and plug it in. And there's a lot of that happens, not always, but, you know, that's kind of the norm anymore where, you know, when car audio first started, it literally was, you, you had to be a fabricator, you had to be a problem solver, you know, and you had to have tools, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell everybody right now, tools make the job, you know, having the right tools makes the job better, it makes it go quicker, and uh, they make you more money in the long run. Probably if you hear an installer complaining about any of the kits, you probably want to slap them. <laughs> well, I, I've had my day of complaints. Some of the kits are not very good, so that's the well, nice thing um, about, you know, being in retail. You, you kind of learn and you talk to people like, hey, don't use that one. It doesn't fit. You know, it, it doesn't look right. So, But companies are really, you know, pushing the envelope to make sure that, you know, if you do have a kit for a vehicle, like Metra, you know, they make these kits that you, you basically – have to reinstall the air conditioning controls. They have their own LCD displays, you know, their wow. own buttons. You know, once you take the radio out, because a lot of the vehicles, you control a lot of the functions of the vehicle through the radio. So if you take that radio out and put an aftermarket in, you lose that. I mean, Dodge oh, wow. is a perfect example. I mean, I've got a couple Dodges now. And if, you know, the, the seat heaters, you know, the, the, the steering wheel heater, uh, the air conditioning, you know, all the climate controls, all done through the radio. So if you take that yeah. out, um, you're kind of sunk, so they got to stay in. So you got to be a good problem solver in what to do. Mm -hmm. In fact, some of the you know mid '90s Hondas they actually ran the, the power windows and cruise control through the radio. So if you took the radio huh. out, it didn't work. So oh, wow. you know, in the uh -huh. meantime, what people were doing was basically extending the wires and 
putting the, the factory radio either somewhere back behind the dash or under the seat to keep those functions ah. working. So you have to be a problem solver. And that's oh, what wow. I like. It's something different every time. It's a challenge. So, and, <coughs> so you know, ever you're have only limited to your imagination. So ever have any challenges with Toyotas? Oh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what vehicle. There's always challenges. So. But Toyota's <laughs> definitely mainstream now, so you know, they're not too bad. And, you know, our engineers do a great job of developing developing products that drop right in, that you don't have to do extensive modifications. They, yeah. you know, they fit, they, they're not too deep. You don't have to make spacers or, you know, some of the speakers, we actually include the adapters to make them fit in these vehicles, which I sure wish I had when I was doing installs every day because I had to fabricate adapters every time we did something crazy or different. So there's a lot of companies out, uh, Mobile Solutions, you know, Brian Schmidt, he offers, you know, all kinds of tools and adapters and materials that, you know, are Basically, not specific to car audio, but, you know, car building and car fabrication in general. Uh, mm -hmm. He really is a great source to go out and find those products, you know, the tools that you need to get the job done. And, and that's great that you have that at your disposal now. Like you said, back in our day, you just didn't have anything and you had to learn, you know, because, you know, I've done a lot of installs when I was younger for my own stuff, not for other people, but for my own stuff. And I tell you, looking back now, uh, I've done some really stupid stuff, but they weren't. Oh, so <laughs> have I. And I've always said with karate, you can do everything exactly right. It'll, it'll sound pretty good. Or you can do everything wrong and like, whoa, that actually does sound good. You know, it's, it's crazy the way things all work together. But, you know, you talk about, you know, doing stuff back in the day. That's kind of like, you know, tinting windows. I, you know, I like the way tin windows looked on cars. So I had a 66 Mustang was my first car. And, you know, I'm, I decided I wanted the windows tinted. Well, you know, I don't have enough money to pay someone to do it. So I got some window tint. I did it myself. And I remember how I got into doing that. Guy came up to me and said, hey, who tinted your windows? I'm like, um, I did. <laughs> He's like, really? It's like, yeah, I know. He's like, hey, I'll pay you to do mine, would you? Would you be willing to do that? It's like, wow. you'll pay me to do that to your car? I'll take your money. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's just kind of fun, you know, how you get involved in some of this stuff. And, you know, some of it, you know, like anything, I, I try to learn as much as I can about how to do things. If mm -hmm. I want it done, you know, I'm, I will tell you, you know, being in, you know, the automotive industry, there are people that just don't always know what they're doing. And yeah. I'd rather not yeah. take the chance if I don't know specifically. So I'll try to do stuff myself first. And I know when I'm over my head, but then I also know the right people to call, to, you know, to bail me out mm -hmm. when I need it. So having a good network is also very important. Exactly. You know, I remember back years ago when I was, I guess, 18, 19 years old, I had a little Mustang II hatchback model. Sorry. And, yeah. <laughs> Mustang guy. When you say you have a Mustang, people are like, oh, wow. No, it wasn't what you think. <laughs> you know, it's old Mustang too. And Yeah, I think 74 know, to 78 was that Mustang year. Yeah, I think it was a 78 model, as a matter of fact. And, um, and, and we had that. And didn't have, like you said, didn't have money to do, to buy anything. I, I, you know, had a good radio, had a couple amps and all that. I'm like, well, what am I going to do about speakers? I, I don't have no money. Um, and I was, me and my friend of mine was looking in our in my house, and I had two 15-inch um, um, house speakers, both in boxes. And I'm like, I wonder. We were like, I wonder if we could do something with that. So we took those things, box and all. Didn't take them out the box. We put them both in the back of the hatchback. Then we took a bunch of wood, built a box around those boxes to make like a fifth order type box before fifth order was a thing. And, uh, <laughs> and um, made some ports and all that. And 
crank her up and let's see what happens. And yeah, that's when this all got started. <laughs> and people were like, what do you got in there? Oh, a house 15. Oh, no, it ain't no way. It was funny because one night around midnight was at my house. And, you know, you got neighbors. I'm like, but we're working on everything. Like, well, I'm, and I'm trying to fix something. And, and I throw up, turn down. So you'd hear one bass note. Turn up, turn down. And next thing I know, my neighbor, who loves music now, walks over. It's about midnight. And he says, look. I love your music, but when my bed but. moving, but when my bed is moving across the floor at midnight, we got a problem. Ah, I think you got a, got something going on then. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are some crazy things you went through? Oh, you know, I've been through one of the, one of the vehicles that we were working on up here. You were talking about that and it just popped into my mind we were working on a uh, this one of the first cars i worked for at kicker it was a 55 chevy panel delivery and it was chop top it was full custom front rear it was all you know neon you know park lights and tail lights and turn signals i mean it's really cool the front had was reversed it actually hinged from the front it flipped forward had a big old 454 with two carburetors on it but it was a street rod i mean it was all you know orange and purple and it was you know just it was really cool. But yeah. the original mm -hmm. person that did this had what they called flamethrowers. So that's where you rev up the exhaust, you flip a switch, it kills the ignition, but you got spark plugs in the tailpipes that, that light the raw fuel. So we were out there after doing the audio system in this car, so we figured we want to pull it outside to see how it sounds. It was like 1, 2 in the morning. And so we're like, we're playing with that flamethrower. We'd rev that engine up, you know, hit that switch, and it'd start you know, shooting flames out the back, and pow, 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 pow. Next thing you know, we're sitting there, we look kind of out of the corner of our eyes, and we see a couple patrolmen kind of pull up, kind of off the corner of the parking lot, and on the other side, kind of, you know, without lights on. We're like, okay. So, you know, they finally came walking up, and there's like, hey, uh, we, we heard that, you know, there was some gunfire around here. Did you guys, have you guys heard anything? It's like, uh, that was probably me. He said, well, what, what are you talking about? So I told him what we were doing. He said, I thought you were welding, because he saw the flames, and it's like, yeah, so getting arrested for welding and gunfire while you're doing car audio. <laughs> you know what's funny is I seen a video recently, um, I guess a few weeks ago, where they did a short and they were and they played um, a cop that came up. They they had a car that did that that um, that went pow 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 pow, and all of a sudden four or five cop cars showed up, and they bout pulled them out of the car thinking they had guns and and they tried to argue and it's funny because it, they went back and forth and say no 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 it's it's the car they said there ain't no way that's a car he says do yeah. you want me to crank it up for you and he says yes you have to he cranked it up and then after it was over they said they all laughed and the cops left they said be careful because you're going to get shot and <laughs> Yeah, you never know. Someone might mistake that. Uh, one of my, my best friends here in Stillwater is a retired police lieutenant, and he's a big car guy. I mean, he's a, a car fan. He's got a, a lift in his front yard. Uh, that tells you how much car guy he is. And <laughs> the, the guys that I first knew when I moved into Stillwater, a bunch of, actually, you know, one of them is Dominator from Street Outlaws. I, I met him, you know, basically the, the first day I moved to Stillwater. He was, mm -hmm. you know, best friends with one of the guys we worked with who became my, my roommate, but uh, they apparently, you know, like to do the street racing thing way back then here in Stillwater, and you know, 
my, my buddy, the, the police lieutenant, was, you know, really a car guy as well. And he said, it's really tough, you know, when, you know, you're a car guy, but you got to go out and bust these street racers, you know, and, and you want to ask them about their cars. You want to talk about their cars, but you're there to do a job. And he said, then you get the one guy that doesn't have a license. So then you got to put him in handcuffs. And he said, it's real tough to talk cars when you got one of the, the other guys in the back of your car in handcuffs. You're taking him into the, the joint. So. It's just, you know, it's a lot of fun, and there, there are people that enjoy all different, you know, types of, you know, car customizing, you know, audio, you know, video, lighting, you know, engines, paint. It's just really cool to be in this industry that you can pretty much do anything you want, um, just obviously within reason, as long as it's safe. And that's what's great about the industry, I think. And I think this, that's where the industry almost gets a bad name. A lot of people outside the industry don't understand, but there's all walks of life all ages that are in because it doesn't matter if you like hot rods you like classic cars you like low riders you like raised vehicles you know it's a there's something for everybody and, and what's great is and you know again you, you've got a few people that down each other but in most cases the community itself loves each other yeah it's it's just <laughs> it, it's so much fun to be a part of it and like you say there's there's so many different avenues you know it's, you don't have to be pigeonholed into just one thing so it's, it's a lot of fun. It really is. It's been a blessing to you know, be able to do what I love and, and someone actually pays me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us how that happened. How did you become the work at Kicker? I mean, where, tell us that story. It, it, you know, it starts with a long line of retail. Like say, I, my first job as an installer was when I was 13. I would literally uh, be driven to the, the shop on Saturday, you know, hang out at the, the stereo shop to see if anybody need anything put in, you know, on that Saturday or during the week, they'd actually bring their cars over to my parents' house and I'd do the installs in the driveway after school. Yeah. And from there, it progressed to getting a job in the mall, you know, selling audio in the mall. And, and you know, car audio back in, you know, 1981 was you know, not what it is today. Actually, 1981 yeah. was the year Kenwood first made car audio. So that oh, tells wow. you how long ago that's been. But I remember, you know, hanging out in the, the car audio section, always playing with it and talking with the guys. And finally, you know, the store manager came over and he said, listen, he said, we don't know anything about this car audio stuff. You seem to know something about it. And he said, we don't like talking to the kids. You know, they come in and they annoy us. But, hey, you are one of the kids. You, you want to come in and you know, try to sell some, some, some audio on the side? So that's how I really kind of got focused on car audio because, you know, all my buddies were coming in to buy stuff from me. And, and the other guys, they, they didn't understand car audio and they, they didn't relate to the younger crowd. They were, you know, the, the typical old salesman with the big wide ties and, you know. And it just, mm -hmm. it was a whole different environment. So that's kind of how I got started doing that. From there, uh, you did a little bit of electronics in school, you know, in a trade school. Started my own shop in 1988 and had that for four years, sold that. And then I went to work for Kenwood, actually with a little brief stint working for a company called Nebraska Furniture Mart selling audio. But I uh, worked for Kenwood for three years and then I ended up at Kicker about 26 years ago. So definitely like wow. where I'm at now. <clears throat> you must really love it to be there, you know, 26 years. And, 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 and that what's cool about that is you've seen a lot of changes in the time you've been doing this. Um, what do you think about where car audio is going in the next 10, 20 years? And do you think the whole push for EV is going to slow it down? 
you know, the, the EV thing is kind of interesting. We'll get to that one in a minute. But, you know, <laughs> up until about, you know, five years ago, car audio was really taking a downward spiral. Uh, people weren't spending the money. We have something we call just good enough. You buy a car, yeah. you make mm -hmm. noise, it's just good enough. I don't need to spend any money on that. So people that, you know, really focused on, like, IASCA was, you know, the International Auto Sound Challenge Association, where they actually judge cars on sound quality on install. You know, mm -hmm. that kind of went downhill, oh, you know, wow. not because it was expensive. I mean, you had to spend a lot of money to do this. And to people out, you know, a general consumer that listened to one of those cars, they wouldn't like the way it sounded. Um, the yeah. thing about those cars, you know, the, the best sounding cars were so flat and sterile. There is oh, no wow. excitement. And yeah. this industry really is about excitement. We don't sell car mm. audio at Kicker. I mean, that may yeah. come as, to a shock to a lot of people. <laughs> we don't sell car audio at all here. What we sell is emotion. And what conveys that emotion is the car audio, the music. It, you know, you remember, it takes you back to a concert you went to. So, you know, and then it got to be the SPL, where, you know, loud as you could make stuff for a while, didn't matter what the vehicles looked like. You'll see a lot of those in SPL events. You had people just bolt speakers everywhere. <laughs> and, you know, that was me. kind of the Mad Max of car audio. Um, but that's a lot of fun. But now what's happening especially with the internet. And I, I really, you know, I'm not a huge Facebook or, you know, you know, Instagram guy or that, you know, I, I don't, you know, focus on those things all day, every day. There's times I go maybe a week without even checking Facebook. But what they've done is there's some, you know, groups out there like the Queen, Clean Wire Club, which, you know, is all about how clean can you make your wiring? Because I've seen some absolutely atrocious wiring jobs out there. And there's another one called Carbide Cult, which, you know, carbide, you know, the kind of, you know, tools, you know, carbide tip router bits and drills. You know, it's basically, it's a site for high-end car audio installs. And what, you know, these sites have really done is they challenge people to be better, you know, and want to put really good work out there in front of everyone. And it's, it's really starting to pump the popularity back up. We're seeing a wow. big, you know, swing towards more sound quality, you know, not so much the, you know, the quantity, which we still do that as well. Obviously, we're kicker. That's what we do. But the, the upswing for, you know, making vehicles sound, you know, phenomenal. And there's a big difference between something that sounds good to your ear and something that sounds accurate. In car audio, there's something called imaging and staging, which you should be able to shut your eyes and picture where the instruments are, you know, in front of you on a stage as if you were at a concert. So, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, you just had pretty much left and right. There was no time alignment, no digital signal processing. But it sounded pretty good and sounded pretty loud, but it didn't give you that concert experience. And that's what has started to do. We started to basically, the whole point of car audio is to make the car disappear. I mean, that's yeah. the real purpose of car audios. You just want to picture you're at a concert. You're not sitting in a vehicle. Right. So that's the challenge on making a vehicle that, you know, has, you know, a really good, accurate, you know, image and soundstage. And, you know, some of these vehicles, like one of the guys that, you know, worked here that was my boss for a while, uh, Mark Eldridge and Gary Biggs, those guys were, you know, some of the top competitors in the industry. I bet you Mark's forerunner, Probably had well over three hundred thousand dollars invested in that vehicle, you know, over its lifespan. Yeah, we got know, a ninety-six Yeah, I, it's crazy what you can do. That thing actually—we actually put speakers out by the headlights. 
firing <laughs> back in through the engine bay through, you know, custom duct work that, you know, and that's the type of, you know, work you had to do back then to mechanically get that good sound stage. Now you can do a lot, you know, in fact, I'm going to quote Ernie back here behind the console. Ernie's always said, and it is true, to get a good image and sound stage, there's two ways. You have a really good processor or a really good install or both, obviously, but, you know, you got to have one or the other or both yeah. to really get what we call a true sound quality accurate vehicle. So yeah, it's, funny. it's Somebody a challenge. Asked. Somebody asked a question for uh, for Sandy and I. I'm talking about how did we meet you, and it's funny um, that you asked that because um, we just started the customized ride um, October and started really doing a lot of shorts within the car community and stuff. And then you know we do another show where we interview people, so I wanted to bring that concept to the customized ride. And 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 I've been watching a lot of different content out there. And I was like, you know, who would I want to be our first guest? Who would be great? And I've watched. Um, and then you got John stuck Meyer. with me. <laughs> yeah. And well, that's, you're actually the person I picked because I was like, oh, I like, you know, I like your interaction with people on um, your show, Unmask and all that. And, and um, so I've watched all that and for several weeks. I'm like, you know, he's really good with the camera. He's funny. He, he's really what I would want as a first guest on this show. And so I just reached out um, a couple of weeks ago. We got him and I talked to him on the phone about, about a week ago. And so really the first time we've met is like right here. Yeah. I mean, this first time I've seen what you look like. I, I knew what you sounded like. And it's funny because the person that asked that question, um, Andy McGill, Andy actually has a, a, a social media site called the Kicker Club on Facebook oh, wow. that is dedicated just to Kicker. And it's where you can go and ask questions of, of people, you know, about, you know, what should I use? You know, this is what it's doing. What do I need to do to fix it? Um, they're always, you know, posting pictures of installs. So, you know, the Kicker Club is another great, you know, social media site that's really helping, you know, perpetuate this whole car audio craze that seems to be going on now it's just it's getting really cool and it's a lot of fun it can be a challenge with some of the new vehicles and that's one of the things i do you know as a trainer here at kicker is i teach interfacing which yeah. you know how to make you know the aftermarket electronics work with these new vehicles without disabling safety systems or you know some uh -huh. of the, the crazy things like that so how is it going to work um with evs or or can it yeah i almost forgot to come back to that EV is going to be very interesting. Uh, there's there's a push right now to bring the, the EV market up into 16 volts. Now, if they push it up to 16 volts, uh, almost 100% of the car audio out there, I mean almost 100%, is probably not going to work at above 16 volts. Uh, they're designed mm -hmm. to work, you know, with a you know 12.6 battery and a 14.3 volt charge system. Uh, our amplifiers are actually designed to shut off at 15 and a half. That's so the voltage oh, wow. doesn't damage the internal electronics. So, if the EV market is going to continue to push towards that, you know, we as a manufacturer, and you know, obviously it, it's been talked about already and a while ago, we're going to have to come up with products that will work on those vehicles. It's kind of like start stop. You yeah. know, the whole start stop mm -hmm. thing where you pull up to the stoplight and the vehicle shuts off. And then you let your foot up on the brake and it starts again to help conserve energy. When that vehicle starts back up, you, you go from 12.6 battery voltage. When that starter kicks in and pulls three, 400 amps of current instantaneously, that voltage will drop sometimes as low as six volts. Most electronic equipment, aftermarket equipment shuts off at, you know, 10 and a half or sometimes oh, wow. nine and a half volts. Oh, wow. So we had to develop a whole line of products, which basically are start-stop ready or start-stop compatible. So they will actually stay on down to six volts or even in some cases a little bit below, just so you don't oh, wow. 
have a bad experience. So it's really interesting the integration and you know with the new technologies that are out there that you know how we've had to change what we do because that start stop. I mean that was a big challenge. The the, the 16 volt EVs are going to be another challenge. But, you know, right now with some of the EVs that are out there, I know the Teslas, I mean, there's guys out there doing killer systems in those. They still use a 12-volt battery that, that's mounted somewhere to run the audio system off of. But, oh, you know, wow. the bigger the audio system you have, the more power it requires. And, you know, if you've got a limited amount of battery space in the vehicle, you're going to shorten the range on it. But that's okay. You don't mind. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah. the thing about the industry is, you know, you've seen through the years you've had to grow and you've had to do all this um, changing so change is going to be constant you know i've always been you know i always ask people you know when i'm out and about what do you think of the evs and and so far i haven't found any car person that that loves the idea well you know it's weird that the owner of kicker here he's got a little tesla oh, and wow. He absolutely loves it. And Steve's so funny. I think Steve's 73 now. He's the, the founder of Kicker, and this is our 50th anniversary. Um, I remember when he got that car and took me for a ride in it. Steve used to race go-karts. And, of course, with that battery being really low in that vehicle, it's got great, you know, low center of gravity, so it handles really well. So I remember him taking me for a ride out in front of the building, little S-curves out there. I'm like, Steve, you're going to get pulled over. You keep driving like this. He said, just reminds me, you know, racing go-karts when I was a kid. So... And of course, then he, you know, the Tesla he had to show me the fart app. You know, we had a lot of fun with that for <laughs> playing with that. But it, it it is really interesting, and I'm not sure where the whole EV thing is going to go. I mean, I've got my ideas and my concerns, but you know, time will tell. Yep. And as you know, a lot of people may see the glory in everything you do. That you're around this car industry, you're, you get to be right in the middle of it. But they don't see the grind it takes to go to the top within in the industry. But it, even in the car industry. So tell us a little bit about some, some of the sacrifices you've had to make to even get to where you are today. Well, and you're, you're right. It, it is a lot of grind. It's a lot of work. Uh, anytime you, you know, fa hand fabricate stuff, I mean, you know, Bondo, fiberglass, you know, well, any of that, I mean, it takes time to do that versus just buying something off the shelf. And that's what, you know, you really have to be ready for. When I first started working for, for Kicker, I mean, we pretty much started at 7.30 in the morning, and I bet you I was here 7.30 in the morning till midnight, yeah. sometimes seven days a week for weeks in a row. I mean, absolutely loved what I was doing, but, you know, I, and I'm not saying that everybody does that or you have yeah. to, but that's just the way it worked out for me. Um, I, I didn't know people, you know, I just moved here, and, and I loved doing it, so, you know, even if I wasn't doing, you know, work projects, I was working on somebody else's car, making a little extra cash on the side. So, but, you know, it brings about another very, you know, interesting and fun story, start talking about this. Because I've been doing this for about a year and a half, you know, every weekend, almost every night working on a vehicle and mm -hmm. talking about Steve. I ran into Steve in the hallway and Steve's like, so I hear you uh, are up here at nights and weekends working on people's cars. I'm like, <laughs> uh-oh, am I in trouble? <laughs> you know, and you don't want to lie to the guy. I mean, you, you just the minute you meet him, you realize, you know, what a neat person he really is. But Steve's like, well, you know, my, my car stereo quit working. And, you know, you don't have to if you don't have time, if you don't want to. And, and I'll pay, of course. And he just kept going back. If it's like, but if you don't have to if you don't want to. It's like, you know, let me, what's wrong? He said, well, my car stereo quit. It's like, well, when did it quit? He said, about two years ago. Wow. What? Well, I don't want to bother you guys. I know you guys are busy. And, it, you know, if you don't oh. want to do it, it's like, give me your keys. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's you can't look at this job as an eight to five job. You know, if you look at this like I'm going to get rich doing car audio, uh, 
more than likely you're probably not going to. You know, you're going to get rich with experiences and, you know, stuff you get to do and, and having fun. But it, it's not a, you know, absolutely huge money-making thing. You know, some of the reps make some pretty good money out there that are selling the gear, especially, you know, with the whole COVID thing. <laughs> but it just, it's, it's a lot of work. And it's, it's really satisfying. The, the reason I like doing this kind of stuff um, is because it's instant gratification. You do a stereo system for someone and, you know, they, they come in and they listen to it for the first time. You see their eyes light up. Or, you know, they, they, that's what's worth it. That makes all the extra hard work worth it. I mean, I usually quote people, you know, per hour rate. And I usually, that ends up going by the wayside because I get excited. I start doing more stuff because I get excited about doing it. So I, mean, I, I can't charge you for that. You know, that, I wanted to do that. But, you know, I do that almost every time. So you really have to love the industry. And it, you can't look at it as eight to five because a lot of the events and stuff you go to are on the weekends. So. Yep, exactly. And, and, you know, talking about that, you know, we go every Saturday. We're at some car, car meet. There's always something going on. Um, tomorrow, most of the car meets have gotten canceled because we got a big rain all day so we won't be doing that tomorrow be the first first one we went to in months um but there's always something going on so it's it's almost like um and even when i'm out and about if i you know as a content creator if i see a cool car well i've got to get film of that so it's almost like that even though we have work hours or whatever we don't have work hours because if i spot content i got to be on it (laughs) but i love it Exactly. And that's, that's the joy of social media. And there is no, you know, eight to five set rules for social media. You're running cool stuff all the time. So yeah, it's just, it's really interesting, but you always got to be on. In fact, you talk about, you know, the car events on the weekends, you know, that's a great place, you know, for, you know, people out there, you know, get involved in some of these, a lot of stores, you know, malls and stuff do, you know, like cars and coffee. We do one here at Kicker the last Saturday of every month. We have a little car show here and it's just, a lot of fun, and you get to see a lot of different things. And I really like you know, like the cars and coffee events because they're not judged. Anyone yep. can come, yeah. and it's it's all free for you know the public. Just come, you know, see what people brought. And, and, it's, and it's great because you know that's every Saturday. There's always one somewhere within a radius of where we live, and within an hour. So we're always going to the cars and coffee, and and it's amazing the stuff you see, and, and you in different cities that we go to to see them you always see different types of rides too. So you're like, okay, um, you can see what's popular in that area. And what, yeah. you know, like on, on some, really you're like, there've been some I've gone to and I'm like, man, there's like six Corvettes here. I was like, apparently people love Corvette. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember going to the cars and coffee in Atlanta when I was there a couple of years ago. And when you see a whole row of 16 Lamborghinis, you know, at a cars and coffee, it's just a whole different world. But yeah. I mean, they'll typically have, you know, they said, you know, somewhere between eight and 10,000 cars at these events. It's the whole shopping, it's a whole mall. It's about their whole parking lot. But it's really cool to get out and see what, what people do to cars. I mean, they, I used to judge, you know, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that to your vehicle or, you know. But anymore, it's like you did something. You you did it yourself. You you spent money on it, you, you know. And that's what's cool. Take pride in it. I get a lot of dealers and, and people that want, you know, put me in their vehicles and, you know, actually hurt me with how loud it is. And I've worked on some of the loudest vehicles in the world. And, you know, that's, you know, when you're trying to hurt someone, it's not, you know, pleasurable. But, you know, the guys that come up and say, hey, you know, check out this stereo system. You know, I got in my car. And it's like, great, you know. How it says, well, you know, I paid this shop down here, you know, $5,000, whatever, to do this install. And then you get the kid that comes up, hey, you know, I had, you know, 
100 bucks here, 100 bucks there, and I kind of built this over time and I learned how to do it myself. That is more impressive to me than a guy that just writes a check out and has somebody do something. So, you know, knowing that, hey, you know, this may not be the best you've seen, but this is what this person could do, and they actually did it. I mean, that's what's really, you know, more exciting to me rather than the best of the best of the best. It's the people that actually get in and want to learn, and that's what I love about, you know, what I do is, you know, if they got questions, you know, I'm there to help them. If I can offer suggestions and help them take their skill to the next level, that's, that's what I do for a living. Love that. And as you know, a lot of people may see you because you're kind of the front guy to everything I've seen anyway with Kicker. Um, but people don't get the, a chance to kind of hear about the team that kind of, is kind of behind you. And I, it's in our opinion, teams never get any love. On our show, anything we no. do, teams always get some love. So take a few moments and just tell us about the team that helps you be who you are. Well, there's actually about 225 people, you know, in this building alone that if it wasn't oh, wow. for them, you know, we couldn't do what we want to do. But, you know, doing the video broadcast, you got JW, you've got Sandy, you got Ernie, you got Bill, you know, all back here, you know, running cameras and running the whole production. So they're the ones back there making me look good. Not that I probably do look good. But even in, like, the training department, there are four of us in the tr training department, and we all, you know, kind of specialize in a different area, you know, you, you know, writing presentations, you know, building, you know, you know display models or, you know, things to, to show, you know, at events. You know, we've got, of course, Carlos speaks Spanish. He's the only one that speaks Spanish. So it really takes everybody to get together to do what we do. And even the marketing department, you know, designing, you know, some of the, the, the background logos and everything we do. I mean, it, it, no one person can do this all themselves. And we, we really have a great company. I've, like we mentioned, I've been with this company, you know, almost 26 years. And I think I'm only 23rd in seniority. There's 23 people that have been here longer than I have. And I think the average tenure is 11 years. I mean, that's huh. the average of how long people stay here. Wow. So it's all about the people. That. I love that. Now, speaking of teams, we have a third co-host, our little 11-year-old. He's becoming a car. He's becoming a car person. Good. Audio we always bring him on to ask a couple questions. And Sandy's going to go get him. Yeah, I'll get him. Uh-oh. He's holding new questions now. And hopefully he remembers the, the new questions. Yeah, it's funny. Hopefully he remembers the new questions because he has certain three questions he always asks on our other show. But because this is a car thing, we're like, we're trying to gear it towards that. <laughs> this is awesome. You know, and, you know, it, Kids are yeah. the future of everything. So, and it's funny. The other day, he told us. He says, "I, I know what I want when I'm 16." We're like, "What?" Because you know, we, yeah. You know, and after he gave us this answer, I'm like, "We go to too many car shows." Because his first answer was, "I want a Corvette." That that's <laughs> usually the go-to, and a lot of or Lamborghini or a Ferrari. Yeah. You know. Ever since we were at the Columbia Cars and Coffee, um, Columbia, South Carolina. And I was filming this guy going by with the Corvette and he stops and he says, film away. And then he says, he seen my little son with me because you want to sit in it? He said, uh-huh. So he sat, so ever since that, he's one of the... <laughs> That's awesome. I, I actually had a, an experience kind of like that. We were in Las Vegas, you know, doing uh -huh. one of the events. I think it was SEMA, it was in March and they had a, a, a NASCAR race there. Wow. And you could go and do the ride along where you actually drive the, the NASCARs and... I remember going out there, you know, and doing the ride along, which is really cool. You get a ride in a NASCAR at 165 miles an hour. But I'm driving my buddy's Viper, and I, I pull up. And there's this guy standing about 20 feet away, and he's got kind of looking. I was like, you know, I finally motioned him over. I said, you know, 
can I help you? He said, oh, I just want to see the car. I didn't want to, you know, bother you. It's like, no, that's, you know, come on, see the car. And he's looking at it. I'm just like, well, you know, what brings out here? He said, well, I wanted to go for the NASCAR ride along, but he said, I can't get in the car. He physically could not crawl through the window. Oh, wow. So I said, you know, do you think you can get in the front seat over here? And he had this big look. He's like, what? So I put him in the, in the front seat of the car and took him, you know, driving around a little bit around the infield. Oh, wow. And it got done. He said, well, my buddy's just got to go ride a NASCAR. I got to go ride in a real, you know, Viper. So you know, it made his day. So it, it's wow. really cool, you know, where you, you get those experiences. And you just learn, you know, that, hey, everybody's got different wants and wishes. And, you know, exactly. go for it. All right. Hi, Kicker. So what's your first car? My first car was a 1966 Mustang. It was a 200 straight six. It was a three-speed on-the-floor manual transmission without a synchronized first gear, which means you had to stop to put it in first gear. <laughs> so 20 miles an hour, it didn't have enough torque to go in second gear, but you couldn't put it in first gear until you stopped. So that was my first experience with cars, and that was one of three Mustangs that I've owned in my life. Was The oh, first wow. one was a 66. Same you. year as me. <laughs> That's probably looked better. Game of legs. I was going to. Oh, you was going to talk about that? Yes. <laughs> but tell them. All right. Okay, so um, what's your dream car? Pardon? My dream car? You know, I, I can't actually put anything on that. I, I actually think about this quite a bit. You know, you, so you win the lottery, what would you buy? I don't think I could have any one car. I don't think I could ever have enough. I mean, <laughs> I, I like the big performance sedans. You know, I also like, you know, sports cars. I mean, it's. I'd have to have, you know, a different car in every different type of group. You'd have to have, you know, your favorite SUV, your favorite, you know, sports car, your favorite, you know, sedan, your favorite touring car. So that is a tough question. I, it's hard to say. I mean, I really like some of the, well, I, I do really want, I've actually got to see the unveiling of the 1,000 horsepower Shelby Mustang when they introduced that. That, that would be a fun car to have. I, I think I could definitely handle that because it's still practical enough that you could drive it every day if you wanted yeah. to, but it, it's got the performance. I don't think I would ever own a Lamborghini, Ferrari, you know, some of those because you can't it would be something. Day. Yeah, and, and with the roads that they have, you know, you don't want to tear the front end off of them. I mean, because, you know, hitting potholes and stuff. So I still like something that's somewhat functional that, you know, at least the Mustang, you can get four people in it if you really had to. They're not too bad in the backseat. I actually rode in the back of a Mustang on the Hot Rod Power Tour for 1,500 miles, and it wasn't bad. (laughs) (laughs) Anything But good question. Uh, No. What's your dream car? Oh, my dream car was a a Covrant. Everything. (laughs) Yep, Corvette. A Covrant. (laughs) (laughs) I told him the story about you got in that one in Columbia. Yeah, I was. I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, get my hands on a Corvette a few years ago, and it. I I loved the car the way it looked, but I had to sell it because it, it it hurt so bad. It was built for the racetrack. I mean, it was a, a ninety nine C five with the full you know GM T three suspension. It mm-hmm. had a roll cage, five point harness. Oh, wow. The car looked beautiful. It ran great, but you get out of that car after that, you just physically hurt. Especially but, us being older guys. Yeah, but the the newer Corvettes, you know, the C8s, you know, the 7s, I mean, the suspensions on those cars are so good. One of our engineers has got a, a new Corvette, and those cars really, really do ride really nice. So, oh, wow. um, But, you know, you can only get two people, and it can't get much luggage either. So not very practical, but that's why I say I'd have to have something that was practical, you know, for some things, but yet something you go out and have fun with. But Exactly. Yeah. All, right. All right, bye, thanks. Hey, thank you for, for asking. So through the years, um, have you had any mentors that kind of helped you guide the way? And who were some of them? 
you know, actually just about everybody I've been around, you know, that's given me the chance to play and experience and, you know, to learn from. So there, there isn't one person in general. I mean, it's an industry that they're, the people are few and far between. And, you know, growing up in, in car audio, I mean, there weren't a lot of people that specialized in it. So you learned what you could from who you could. But there's just a lot of really, really cool people in this industry. And it, it's, you know, a pleasure to be, you know, working with them side by side. And you see that as, as you age in the industry, that you've become that for the younger generation. Well, if that's the case, that is a great honor. And like I say, hopefully we can continue to do that. Because uh, I don't know about, you know, anybody else, but, you know, I hope people keep buying car audio because I don't want to have to go get a real job. I love what I do. So, <laughs> Yeah, because none of us really know what's going to happen in the future. I mean, talking with some of the people I've talked with, you know, I, you know, and knowing what I know uh, that, you know, I think it's going to be impossible to have enough electricity for the cars by 2035. So I kind of believe that we're probably in good shape for our regular cars for at least another 30 years. Yep. You and I have the same opinions then. I, I didn't want to say that, you know, that, that, you know, it may not be politically correct to say that. I don't think they're going to work, but yeah, we're already <laughs> overloading the charging grids now. And, you know, I grew up, you know, in Nebraska and, and then moved to Chicago and you know, yeah. I've been snowed in on interstates, you know, for, you know, eight, 10 hours oh, at wow. a time. So you can imagine sitting in an electric vehicle that that's all you have is a battery. You know, and you're trying to run a heater, which takes up more battery, you know, it's going to come to a point where it's going to get real cold real quick. So, yeah. I, you know, the Midwest people, I, I, I don't know. It's just, they're not for me. I, I like my sound of my V8s and my turbochargers and superchargers. I mean, that's, that's what I like. And, you know, you just don't get that. In fact, Borla has got a product out that they actually have two six by nines and an amplifier that mount underneath an electric vehicle to make it sound like it's got an actual engine in it. So... <laughs> kind of funny that they do that but you know even like the the Fords with the EcoBoost with those turbo four cylinders and even like I've got 11 Mustang right now even that car they've got things that they do to bring engine sound into the car mm -hmm. uh, like the EcoBoost it's digitally inserted into the amplifier so it's digitally put in there with like you know the Volkswagens and some of the Audis and like the Mustangs they actually have a tube that goes from the the air intake of the engine that goes back to the firewall to convey that more engine noise because the, you know, some of the cars just don't sound as big and beefy as they used to. And it's part of that experience. You know, you, you see it, hear it, smell it, breathe it, breathe it and live it. So yeah, exactly. electric cars. It's, it's, not the same. it's just not the same. You don't hear, you know, that's like on our, um, the customized ride YouTube channel. Um, when we do shorts, the things that take off the most I've noticed are the, if, if I caught a car, revving the engine <laughs> well at you know the cars and coffee events and you know you know a lot of the car shows they bring out some of these big dragsters and you know they have you know cackle offs they call it where they, you know they get these big you know nitro you know funny cars and yeah you know, that's all they do is they start up those big huge engines and they rev them up and you know talk about drawing crowds of people you're just not going to get that with an electric vehicle <laughs> exactly so as you know, as you look into the future and all that, what do you want your legacy to be? You know, you've been doing this for many, many years. So what kind of legacy do you want to leave as you end your life down the road, way down the road? Let's hope. Yeah, let's hope too. But, you know, I don't know. I just, you know, hope I educate people and help them achieve their goals and, and you know, what they want for car audio. Because I've always said, you know, there is no right or wrong. 
You know, yeah. people ask me, you know, what's the best speaker to buy? Well, it's like going to the car dealership. What's the best color a car to buy? Well, what do you like? So, you know, if, if I had anything to leave, it's like how people could, you know, learn to experience what they want, you know, you know yeah. learn what they liked and then how to get it and how to achieve that for themselves. So that's kind of why I'm a trainer. So what's, what's the best piece of advice anybody's ever given you through your life? Uh, stay in school, I think, was probably the best advice. <laughs> and, you know, education is very important. Uh, you know, you've got to learn. And, you know, I still, to be honest with you, you know, I still go to school whenever I can. We do, like, Mira, Mira events, Mobile Electronic Retailer Association events in the past, and now they're called, you know, Knowledge Fest. And I still go sit in on other manufacturers' classes and demonstrations, and y you learn every day. Never think you know everything because there's yeah. always new technologies and the more you learn the more viable you're going to be in the future you know and the better equipped you're going to be you know both with schooling and abilities my major downfall is i grew up in the days of hands-on stuff and now it's all about you know cnc you know computer programming and you know having the ability to cut stuff out with the computers and i've kind of missed that so here in march oh, wow. when we go to this master tech expo in phoenix i've actually signed up to go to some class just to learn more about cnc so wow. and then you know what the great thing about in this day and time see back you know you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, when you said you want schooling, you really had only a few white collar options. That was about it. Now there's so many more options than just regular college, you know? So, and I like that, that, you know, there's trade, as you know, trade with all the different stuff there. I mean, there's technical stuff within the audio car audio. So it's a whole different world that we're in. Yeah. There are actually specific schools for high-end car audio. <laughs> Um, oh, wow. that, that teach nothing but you know fabrication. That's kind of the, the event we're going to in March in Phoenix, and it's called the Master Tech Expo. Um, it's put on by Brian Smith that sells all the tools. He actually has week-long classes that you can learn to, you know, fabricate with CNCs. You can learn to upholster. You can do lighting. Uh, you know, pressing wire mesh speaker grills. You know, from scratch, designing your own. You know, using magnets for fasteners. I mean. It really is interesting, but I kind of had to learn as I went and put everything together. And, you know, that's why I say I took a lot of woodworking, a lot of, you know, electronics. I could, in fact, I couldn't take any electronics in high school because it wasn't offered. So I took that in a trade school. But, you know, auto mechanics, I mean, anything you can learn about tools and hands-on uh, is only going to be a benefit to you in the future. Yeah. So where, where do you see Kicker itself going into the future? Um, we're actually going to be obviously riding this wave as long as we can. Uh, we're going to continue to, you know, evolve and, you know, we've got projects that we're looking at, you know, clearing 25 and 26 now that, you know, we have to anticipate wow. what's going to happen. But audio is always going to be a part of people's lives. It's just what avenue and how are we going to get that into the vehicle? And that's one of the cool challenges. It's not cut and dried. It's not written in stone. It's not, you know, this is where it's going to end. Um, we, we're not going to let it end. We're gonna, if we do go down, we're going to go down kicking and screaming. <laughs> You're going to kick with kicker, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, I really enjoyed having you on the show today. Um, and we hope that for updates and all that down the road, you would love to come back. Oh, absolutely. It's really been an honor. And, and you know, especially when you said uh, it was your first guest and your first choice. I mean, that really means a lot to me. And, and I really appreciate that. And you know, anything I can do to help. I mean, I, I live, I breathe. I eat, this is all I do. My hobby is car audio and messing with cars. And it's my profession. And that's all I think about, you know, when I'm, you know, at night. 
So I just, if I can help people, you know, get what they want, you know, within their budgets or, you know, get the, the sound they're looking for, because you may not know, you have to experience different things. With, with audio, and especially with, you know, speakers and having a good, you know, medium that, that what we yeah. call a transducer, it changes forms of energy. So speaker is a transducer, it changes electrical energy into mechanical energy. It's kind of like an interpreter. If you don't have a good interpreter, you don't have a good transducer, you're going to miss a lot of the conversation. So yeah. if you haven't heard a really good high-end car audio system, I don't care where it is, you need to at least listen to it. I mean, yeah. you may not be able to afford you know, that particular, but yeah. listen to the possibilities. Because if you don't know what's available, you'll never know you want it. A uh, good <laughs> example is one of the guys I used to work with, one of our old you know, managers for the training department, he didn't know till he was 16 years old that he was red-green colorblind. Oh, wow. He, he didn't know it till they did one of those, you know, eye test that's got the blotches and the different colors. He had no idea until he was 60. He, so he didn't know what he was missing or that he even was missing anything. And that's the same thing with car audio. If you don't hear a really good system that really conveys music the way it should be, if you just hear it on an average system, and you'll, you'll never know what potential is there. And that's what makes it fun and a challenge. That's like with little Chris, you know, his very first vehicle that he sat in with um, major bass, <laughs> so to speak. Um, we were at a car audio shop, um, Ex Extreme Audio of Hinesville. And we were at a little event they had going on there. <laughs> and um, he was, it was um, an S, I think it was a Suburban, if I'm, if I'm correct. I but it had six 18s in it. And that Probably was, his, was a Suburban. <laughs> But that was his first, uh, I know it was an SUV, but it was a big SUV, um, but it had six 18s. Um, the whole bed was, I mean, there was no back seats, of course. Um, but that was his first experience of any type of um, bass. And so he was like blown away. Yeah, probably literally, you know, his size <laughs> and with all that bass going on. But you're right. I mean, that you know, in itself is an experience. You know, it's not, you're not just listening to car audio at that point. You are experiencing it with all of your senses, you know, the smells, yeah. the feels, the sights, the sounds. So yeah, it truly can be a, you know, phenomenal experience that, you know, people love. And that's why this industry, it, it's never going to go away. It's just going to probably streamline a little evolve. bit. It's going to get a little more technical and, you know, a little bit more challenging with some of these new vehicles, but we're not going away. You can't get exactly. rid of us. People love their music. And let's face it, it doesn't matter how bad the economy gets, people are going to do stuff to their vehicles. Well, it's, it's funny that you, you say that because I found that, you know, after being in this industry for a long time, the, the target audience that we have, you know, the 16 to 25-year-olds, they don't care about the economy. They don't care what it's doing. <laughs> as long as they got a job, they're spending money where they want to spend it. So that's very good for us. I love that. Again, you know, we really enjoyed having you on the show today and we look forward to having you back down the road. Anytime I'm ready for it because it's always fun talking about car audio and, and the past and, and the future. So uh, we might have some new really cool stories to tell about things that have happened between now and then. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Thank you. I think I'm losing your audio there, Chris. Uh, there we 